Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Pride in Northeast Ohio right now on the North Homestead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline. Chris, how are you? Doing well, gang. How are you? We are very excited. Chris, we just got the news. Chris Antonetti is going to join us tomorrow at 1045, so we're pretty oh. pumped. So our two favorite Chris's. Favorites. Yeah, our two favorite Chris's within 24 oh. hours. How about that? Oh, well, that's that's sweet. That's yeah. sweet. <laughs> he, I like him more than I like me. That's true. By the way. I think we're, we're the yeah. same on that. Yeah, that's we're all good. in agreement on yeah, that that's one. Good, well said. Well said. <laughs> Smarter, um, not nicer, true. Better, more fit, all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Hey, by the way, before we get into anything, I love watching you and Maurice Jones Drew on your game day final. Oh. You do a great job, man. It's a lot of fun. It's a great show, and you get all the info, and you guys are wildly entertaining. Thank you. Now, you know what? I'm a, I've been a big fan of MJDs for a long time. I love working with them. I wish people could listen to our arguments as we're watching the game. It, like, Saturday was hilarious. Um, I brought my youngest son down. He's 17. And he's a big fan of MJDs. And they started talking trash to each other about the Cowboys. Like, MJD's still a big Zeke guy because he likes living in the past. And <laughs> my son is like a huge Tony Pollard dude. And he's like, you only like Tony Pollard because you probably had him on your fantasy team. He's like, well, yes, he was on my fantasy team. He goes, but just watch the games. You tell me who's better. He's like, I know Tony Pollard's better. But you're telling me Zeke shouldn't be getting those touchdowns at the goal line? I mean, they're just going back and forth. That's so. great. Wow. You should, uh, you should uh, send those out on your Instagram. I know. Well, I didn't want to. Well, you guys, are, you guys do a great me. job. It's fun. fun. Thanks. I, yeah, we have a lot of fun. We have a lot of fun. We're looking forward to what we got two shows this weekend, one more for Championship Sunday, and then we'll do the Super Bowl. So it's going to be awesome. Chris, I'm going to come back to football here in a second just because there was a quote from Ken Rosenthal saying that the Guardians can be a tough team to deal with when trying to make a trade, knowing that that they I mean, they, they really use, value their prospects. Yeah, that they value their yeah. prospects and they set their Maybe price on those guys and that they're not going to budge on them. And, you know, we heard the way Ken presented it, that Jeff and I did, and it was just – I think it's interesting because I don't think it's a bad thing when you're in the Guardian spot right now, right, to – you know, when, if you don't have a ton of cash to throw around and you're going to hang on to your prospects, the, the, I think that's the right way to do it. So when, when I say to you, hey, Ken Rosenthal said that they can be sometimes difficult to deal with when trying to make a day, uh, trade or do some kind of a deal, what goes through your mind? Well, I, I am not the biggest prospect hugger. Okay. Um, I understand it. For the situation we're in, I really do, right? Because if 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 you want to, you know, one thing that the Guardians have done probably as well as anybody outside of Tampa is juggle this maintaining um, financial balance with also being 
uh, exceptionally competitive for the most part, right? I mean, ever since Tito came along in 2013, there's been very few years where we've been out of it, right? Um, there's been years we haven't made the playoffs, but we always felt like for the most part we've been in this thing with a very, very low payroll. And part of the reason is because they know that sometimes the guys that they have at the major league club right now aren't the ones that are going to be there in two years, right? And so the reason you hold on to guys like Espino and Gavin Williams and, and those guys are because you know that Shane Bieber might not be here at some point down the line. As tough as that is for us as fans to swallow, that's how they have to work operationally. So I understand it for us. It doesn't necessarily make it better because we look at this team that took the Yankees to five and say, boy, if we just add another piece in addition to a Zanino and a Josh Bell and tighten things up somewhere else, maybe we win that fifth game. Maybe we win that fourth game, you know, and maybe we give the Astros a better run than the Yankees do. So that's the frustration for the fans, but I understand what they're doing. It doesn't necessarily mean I agree with it 100%. Chris, how tough is is this to de- for them to deal with, or is it not tough at all? And Andy and I were talking about Stephen Kwan and Oscar Gonzalez, who you know, at the beginning of last year you thought, God, does this team need outfielders? And now I wonder, does this team need outfielders? As much as you'd like to add somebody, don't you want to give those guys plenty of playing time to see, okay, was that rookie year, was that legit, are they on their way? Because if I, I just find it a, a pleasant dilemma because you have two real viable options there. Yet your fingers are crossed that they're the real deal. Yeah, I mean, you have to be, right? Um, I love Stephen Kwan. I loved watching him play. It's fun. The numbers are the numbers. Now, you can believe him or don't believe him. I think he had one of the lowest exit velocities of anybody out there a season ago. But he handles the bat like it's a tennis racket and seemingly can put the ball wherever he wants. So I don't give a damn if he's hitting it, you know, 99 miles an hour off the bat or 79 miles an hour. If he bloops one down the left field line and ends up at second, that's, to me, just as good as ripping one to the alley and ended up on second. Like, to me, the math's the same. He ended up at second base. So, you know, it, it depends on what you believe in. You know, there are a lot of people who are looking at expected points over batting average and, and things of that nature and, you know, that Oscar Gonzalez, basically what he hits is what his on-base is going to be because he walks so infrequently. How much is that going to bother you? And then you have to deal with this, is that now there's a blueprint on these guys. They've had a full season, basically, at the major league level, and teams are going to know what their strengths and weaknesses are, and so what's their adjustment going to be? All that stuff is real. Um, And so if we think that automatically we can punch him in for these sorts of numbers – that's not necessarily the case. And by the way, that doesn't mean that their numbers won't improve, that they won't, that maybe Oscar Gonzalez has learned how to lay off certain pitches and things of that nature. So I would say, yeah, I'm okay with it. Um, But if they start to slide a little bit and you still feel like the division is within reach, that's where you have to dig into the coffer of the kids down on the farm and say, Hey, let's stop being prospect huggers for a second. All right, let's flip over to football. Uh, so, two thirty today. Uh, Jim Schwartz will have his press conference. Folks can listen to that right here on ninety two three. The fan. Your thoughts on the hire for defensive coordinator? Yeah, I'm fine with it. 
I think it's good. I think that, you know, the one thing that maybe I brought up a couple weeks ago is that if they did make some sort of coordinator shift was trying to get people in here. They're smart. They know that Kevin Stefanski has had three years, but if things don't go right next year, boy, are they going to blow out the coaching staff again? Because four years and maybe not getting where you want, that's not out of the realm of possibility. I mean, let's, let's all be big people here and talk about what's, what's at stake next season. So, you know, Jim Schwartz uh, this year was a consultant for Tennessee. He wasn't down on the field, back in the mix. Uh, a guy like Brian Flores was, you know, and maybe he's looking for a very specific thing where he feels like he has some stability. I don't know. I, you don't know what goes on in those meetings. As far as what the defense is going to look like, you know, I've seen a lot of people get excited because of what sort of production Jim Schwartz gets out of interior defensive linemen. I get that. Also, look at the people that he's had. Fletcher Cox has been one of the best defensive tackles this league has seen in the last dozen years, right? He, got, he did get Marcel Darius to play. Um, you know, Jeffrey Simmons he had had in Tennessee. He's one of the best. But these are all first-rounders. So Haynesworth. the Browns' problem, yeah, Hainsworth, you know, he's a, he's a different project unto itself, right? Uh, but once again, another first-rounder. So those are guys that came in super talented. The Browns' problem has been, okay, let's go with third and fourth rounders and see what we can get. I, I don't know if he can turn those guys from third and fourth rounders into first-round talent. I don't know if that's possible. But maybe this year – our first pick in the middle of the second round is one of the better defensive tackles out there. And now you can build around him. Chris Rose joining us from the NFL network with, with Jim Schwartz coming in and we were kicking this around earlier. Everybody who was screaming that Kevin Stefanski needs to give up play calling so he can oversee the defense and everything else. To me, this puts an end to that. All right, Jim Schwartz is your defensive coordinator. He's been there. He's done that. He's done a good job. And and I would think, not that it changes any pressure on Kevin, because I, you summed it up perfectly. If they don't get it done this year, they're done. I don't think anybody's going to scream, boy, you better be looking over Jim Schwartz's shoulder. It doesn't mean you're not head coach, Chris, you know, and you talk about things. But on game day, he's going to be doing his thing, and Jim Schwartz is going to be doing his. Is that not going to be the case? I mean, ultimately, as a head coach, you're responsible for all that stuff. But, I mean, it's got to be somewhat reassuring that he's got a guy who's not only been a successful defensive coordinator and a Super Bowl-winning defensive coordinator, but a guy who understands the perils of being a head coach. So, you know, I think that's this is all good for Kevin Stefanski. I do. I think it's a solid hire. Um you know, as far as the play calling, I, I think that Stefanski's still the guy. I, I do think that they have to do a serious autopsy on their offense and figure out two things. One is why this offense looked so much more fluid with a career journeyman at quarterback than it did with a guy you guaranteed $230 million. That is the number one question they have to answer in the offseason. And the number two question is why the offense looked so good for the scripted play portion of the program and at times a mess the rest of the game. Um, and, the, and those are two things that hopefully are reworkable. This is a 
league where really everybody is so close, so close, right? You look at the Browns' seven and ten record, and you look at a few games, and then all of a sudden there may be the six or seven seed. Um, and then if things really go right, maybe they're back in this next year, depending on what sort of personnel they bring in and and things of that nature. So there, it doesn't feel like they're they're that far behind some of the teams that are playing this weekend. Um, Chris, let's just talk about the the teams that are playing this weekend. Your thoughts on the four playoff games this? I, and finally, we get to see Cincinnati Buffalo. I'm I'm really looking forward to that game too. So, but I, I'm I think the Jacksonville story is unbelievable. The the thoughts of what's going on in the NFC East to think that they've got three out of the four teams. I mean, this has really been uh, not that every year isn't exciting, but uh, there's so many great storylines of the playoffs this year. Yeah, I mean, listen, last year we were people forget that we were uh, entertained to some amazing football in that uh, divisional round a year ago. Um, every game was close. Every game was like right. three or six points. It was ridiculous. But what we saw this weekend was fantastic. Really, really good. First game got out of hand after two and a half quarters, but I thought Seattle played about as well as it could. And then Monday night was kind of what I expected. Um the meat part of that sandwich was fantastic. Really, really entertaining. I hope we're in good shape this weekend. I think Cincinnati wins in Buffalo. Uh, mm. I think they are an impossible out right now. And people will say, well, Baltimore took them right to the – yes, Baltimore's defense has played as well as any defense in the league the last two months of the year. You know, since they picked up Roquan Smith, they've been unreal – and they have, I'm not going to say they've figured out Joe Burrow from this year on, but he didn't have more than 217 passing yards in a game against the, uh, the Ravens this year. So they did something good against him. Buffalo's defense has not played well. Their pressure rate is massively down since Von Miller went out for the year. So I think they're going to have a hard time stopping the Bengals, but we'll see. I think, you know, that's going to be a ton of fun. And, yeah, I'm a huge, like, I love watching San Francisco play. I think they're my favorite team to watch play in the NFL outside of the Browns. Although the Browns get at me for other reasons. Um, <laughs> but the, the Niners are really, really good. Really good. They do so many things well. Their linebackers can run. They get after the passer with just four dudes up there. They're off at like watching Trent Williams pull and just, Throttle guys is amazing, and they just—they're really good. Shanahan's got something special working there. Last thought on this: Where's Trey Lance playing next year? Because mm. you're not going to bench Brock Purdy, are you? Mm-mm. He's looked no, too good. I don't. Yeah, yeah. The, the biggest problem with Trey Lance is he hasn't played regular, consistent football since 2019. It's 2019. That's going to be five seasons. Makes right? Deshaun I mean, Watson look fresh. Yeah. <laughs> Are we counting days you know, on him too? It's unreal. Trey Lance played one game uh, in the pandemic season. They only did a one-gamer at North Dakota State. Hmm. He played. He made two starts as a rookie. He had, what, one and a half games this year. And... I mean, I don't know. I, yeah. I guess I would try and knock on somebody's door 
because, yeah, Brock, I mean, I'm not going to sit here and say he's the next Tom Brady. I, I think that sort of stuff is, is a little ridiculous and premature. But he, not one thing has looked too big for him. Nope. You know? And he, he even came out shaky last week, and then he settled in. So, I, you know, I've been very impressed with him. And once again, I'm really impressed with what that, that organization does. Hmm. Agreed. Chris, as always, we appreciate your time. We look forward to talking to you next week. Have a great weekend, and we look forward to seeing you on the tube. Thanks, buddy. You got it, guys. I appreciate it. Thank you, Chris. All right, we'll talk to you soon. Chris Rose. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.